As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life, hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off, and to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative you insurgency in their lives. You fire me up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. All right, Marcus, right now, I want you to list off the top 10 greatest comedians of all time. Off the top of my head? <laughs> yeah, <'cause laughs> Richard Pryor is going to have to be in there. Eddie. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Williams, probably Dave Chappelle, Steve Martin, uh, Bill Murray. Sam Kinison. Eddie Murphy, George Carlin. Oh, man, yes. Um, What's the dude we were talking about? The other, Bernie Mac. Oh, God. Kings of comedy. Them guys. Right, the right. That, and Martin the blue, Lawrence. Blue, blue collar comedy. Right. Those guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, Stephen Wright. Mr. Foxworthy. Oh, God. Robin Williams, man. Anybody say Robin Williams? Yeah, yeah he yeah, got. Yeah. He threw that out there. For, you say you said Steve He's, Moore, right? Yeah. Do you remember? Do you ever see that skit where he Robin Williams took the paper clip and made a whole show out of it? <laughs> out of a paper clip? Yeah. No. A whole <laughs> routine. Like you, I guess he was that good at at at, at, improv. at his profession. Yeah, that he yeah. just hand him anything or say one word and he would just go off on it. And he just unlock mm. that brain of his, man. Well, I'll tell you what. what what's that improv show that um What's your line? Yeah. What's whose your, line is whose it? line is it? Yeah. Man, that's awesome, dude. They're good. Drew what Drew Carey hosts. Yeah, Drew Carey, that? that's right. Man, he's awesome, dude. Wizard. Jim, Jim Carey. What oh God. I mean, yeah, he defined our generation, didn't he? He with really his comedy. was Even now, we got Adam Sandler. I mean, he does a truckload, right? All oh, those his, guys. his Christmas tapes were great. 
Back Louis C.K. That toll booth with it. Oh, my God. I'm coming out of the booth. <laughs> lunch Lady Land, that song. You know, I'm curious, dude. Wizard, you got a top ranking for us anywhere around there, dude? Uh, let's see. This Give us something, actually, man. You already hit most of these. Gallagher. So every one of these is <clears> different, <throat> but at least according to Time Out in New York here, top 10 include Eddie Murphy, Phyllis Diller, Steve Martin, Jerry Seinfeld, Louis C.K., George Carlin, one of my personal favorites, Richard Pryor, Robin Williams, Joan Rivers, and Chris Rock. Ooh, this Chris Rivers. Rock, dude. Rivers. Carol Burnett. Oh, I don't know if she did a lot of stand-up, though, did she? How well, come she there was a great more women now. that do stand-up? That's what I... Oh, Bobcat Goldthwaite. Oh, there's plenty of women. I think there's a lot of women that well, do stand-up. Are there? <laughs> I, I, there's not a lot on these lists I'm looking at right now. Uh, I'm seeing Amy Schumer, Kathy Griffin, Roseanne Amy. Barr. Oh, yeah. Sarah Silverman, like we said. Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen. All right, one, Roseanne one Barr. I got a top I 10 right here who, with who Roseanne. Who runs around with um, Schumer? A real funny girl, man. She was in Ghostbusters. Oh, the one who's on SNL. My pits. Her, who does her pits <laughs> like this? Who does her the, pits thing? Those girls are brilliant. Oh, my those God. Two, uh, Hilarious, cast, yeah. dude. Well, I'll tell you what, the, what I love so much about comedians, and first off, welcome to the TNQ podcast. This I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, along with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell, and the wizard, dirt, the wizard. Melissa McCarthy's pretty good. Melissa, Thank you. Wait, Melissa McCarthy's Mc good, or that my intro of the wizard was good? That, the, the intros are always yeah, good. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah the, nice. Are you talking about Molly Shannon? Her too. Oh, God, she's Bridesmaids. Oh, <laughs> epic, epic. Well, welcome to the TNQ Podcast. If you're a first-time listener, have we got an awesome show in store for you. We've got the incredibly talented, the amazing, the transformational Brendan Schaub, right? Transformational, that's a good way to put that. Transform he is the chameleon, dude. A man who is not limited by identity, right? Former collegiate Division One football player, had a trial with the NFL, became a top-ranked UFC fighter, now has one of the biggest podcasts in the world, in the fighter and the kid, and below the belt. He is a regular on Joe Rogan podcast. And he's even he's, doing hosting red carpet at uh, events. The Oscars. Oh, I love it, man. The guy is versatile, right? When you think of versatility, Brennan Schaub is a guy. And you know what? I recently went and saw his stand-up comedian performance at, at uh, the Comedy Store in West Palm. We went with uh, uh, Lex. I went with Lex McMahon, who, by the way, is the guy who used is Brennan's manager. Is the guy that basically got us the interview with Brennan. Uh, so I want to throw a shout out to Lex, and also want to talk just for two seconds about uh, Lex's charity that he is involved with, called the A Hero Foundation. Uh, please check them out online. Lex does amazing, incredible works through A Hero. Uh, to raise money for veterans, to help veterans going through all the different challenges from transition to dealing with post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injury, you name it. That's a hero, Lex McMahon, who runs Titan FC down Florida. So we went and we saw Brennan. And, mm -hmm. you know, dude, I'm like, all right, you know, he's a podcaster. That's, that's you know, 
You don't have to be a, a genius to be a podcaster. Yes, you do. In fact, yes, you do. In order to get your podcasting Present license. Present company included. Federal government requires you to obtain a genius, genius license. Genius license to be a podcaster. Yeah. You got art. That's why we're yeah, a team. Yeah, right? yeah, right? It's the collective. Yeah, certainly not you and me, Mark. It's the collective. It's definitely not you and me, dude. <laughs> Thank you. Brain waiver. Right <laughs> we, this is the Houston we, Brain Trust right we here. Got an, uh, we got a podcast waiver. Waiver, yeah, podcast. <laughs> they gave it to it because a wizard. <laughs> so I go. And one out of three ain't bad. One out of three ain't bad at all. Uh, so I go and I'm expecting, right? The dude was hilarious, man. He was absolutely hilarious. He, he wove in the whole concept of being a fighter, traumatic brain injury, realizing he wasn't ever going to be that good, transitioning, becoming a con, and he was hilarious, dude. He was really freaking good. I was blown away. And when you look at it, and you look at his show, this guy is selling out, not only around the country, he's selling out around the world, dude. He went down to Australia recently, sold out everywhere he went. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, the guy really? is, yeah, I'm telling you, he is on fire right now. Definitely and it's because survivor, he's talented. Man. He really is, isn't he? I bet it's to the point to where when he, when someone, I guess it was Joe, told him he would never be a champion or what? Yeah. I mean, in his head, the way he operates, you got to think it, it didn't set in like he would never be a champion. It's just the amount of time I have right now. I don't have enough time to be. To become right, champion. right, right. I, in terms of how many There's more no, hits, no I have, defeat, defeat, in terms yeah, of how many more hits I have um, in the time it takes to become a champion again, that's it doesn't you know, equate. That's how thing like that, right? I mean, I'm, oh, I'm, totally. He's not going to come down on himself that hard. Well, I can't wait to ask him, man. Um, when you watch that video, I mean, there's there's segments like they broke Joe's show down into a segment where it's just that moment, mm-hmm. and someone even put background music to it. Oh. Uh-huh. Someone even put background music to it, dude. It's so awesome. You know, what what I love, listen, if you're here listening to this show, man, you are going to have a ball. This is going to be a hilarious show. It's already, you know, standing up to be that way. Uh, Welcome aboard. Thank you so much. Without the listeners that we have, you know, uh, we just wouldn't be able to do what we do. We appreciate you so much. If you're brand new, you want to know more about where, why we do this, what we're doing, please visit our website at tnqpodcast.com. We are so fired up to, to bring our first Team Never Quit podcast shirts Right, so if Merch. you want to get them while they're hot, I know they're 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 out there. You're gonna love them. Be proud. We're, we're wearing them all the time now. If you can't, just go to our website at at tnqpodcast.com forward slash merchandise. You'll see it on there, a button on there to go to our merch page. It'll drop you right in. Pick out your favorite shirt there, and uh, we'll have more merch coming on here soon for you. We're trying to be cool instantly if they wear this shirt they'll yeah, be yeah. cool guaranteed. It's, it's, it's guaranteed it coolness guarantee of coolness is that written on a tag or is it just a verbal coolness thing i love the whole idea behind it because i'm a t-shirt and jean guy anyway so that's all although when you go west coast oh, I have to yeah, when you go I, west coast texas and you put the cat the jacket anyway, on yeah. <laughs> <DJ>. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right also, if you want to contribute and become a part of our community, part of a TNQ community, go ahead and submit your greatest never quit story or stories 
on uh, our webpage there. Uh, you can you can see a whole bunch of other ones to get an idea of what it is. If they're good, we'll read your story on on the air. If they're insane, Marcus, coming on, you're gonna come on. We're gonna have you as a, a listener guest on the show. Uh, also, uh, we we finally convinced the wizard to get on Instagram. No easy task. It was not an easy task considering. Uh, Actually, somebody made up an account pretending to be him. So it's a fake. It's a total fake. That's how you know you made it. That's how you know you made it. Yeah. You got 500 fake accounts <laughs> after you, dude. So just go to Instagram, search uh, The Wizard TNQ. We also have a podcast uh, Instagram page now at TNQ Podcast. You can follow me at Team Frog Logic. And of course, you can follow uh, the lone survivor himself at Marcus Luttrell. All right, man, Wizard. I, I touched a little bit about on how impressive this cat is. Mm-hmm. Wizard, could you please run down his bio a little bit and uh, tell the listeners how just what this guy's done? Yeah, Brennan Schaub, from, uh, originally from Aurora, Colorado, Big Brown. He's an American comedian, actor, television host, former collegiate football player, and mixed martial artist. The thing that is most at least in my mind, impressive about him is the range, like we've touched on before, and versatility of what is on his resume here. So starting out, we'll talk about football. He played at University of Colorado, um, 26 games there, and then afterwards he was on the practice team for the Buffalo Bills, and then that kind of fizzled out. But he then like immediately moved into MMA. He starts training at altitude, um, high-altitude mixed martial arts there back in Aurora and Gage Training Center. 2009, he gets picked up for the Ultimate Fighter TV show as part of Team Rashad, eventually uh, making his, his way all the way to the heavyweights finale, where he lost by KO to Roy Nelson. It, but then he his career picks up after that, four fights in a row, he wins. He ends up finishing his professional career in 2015 with a 10-5 and record. There's a whole part about how he ends up kind of getting out of MMA in a conversation with Joe Rogan, and there's an injury issue. Officially, he steps down, citing you know disagreement with UFC's Reebok sponsorship injuries and his already successful entertainment career outside of fighting. As far as entertainment goes, he has a very popular podcast along with comedian Ryan Callen called The Fighter and the Kid that they've been doing for quite a while now. They do a lot of comedy bits, quite a bit of it centers around mixed martial arts, also you know pop culture. He's started his own podcast, which is now titled Below the Belt, he has a strong stand-up comedy routine, which he started in 2006 at the Comedy Store. Along with that, other personal appearances include 2017 the Showtime MMA commentary related to the Mayweather-McGregor match. Even this year in 2018 for E! Entertainment News, he did a lot of co-hosting Hollywood award show commentary. So, I'll tell you what, Wizard, that resume right there is unbelievable. I mean, when you can be that versatile and go from... You know, getting in the ring with my boy there, Andre Arvlowski, and it's funny. I, I, you know, I work with Andre now, and and uh, as a mental coach, and I told him, "Hey, we're bringing Brennan on," and, and Andre's like, "Why you bring him on?" <laughs> 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 and I said, "Andre, dude, huh. come on, buddy." <laughs> Andre's been around. He's been, uh, dude, Remember when he was running that, running that octagon, dude, for like three years, they didn't think he could be beaten, man. And we're on we're on a we're on a two and run right now, bud. We yes. got our next fight coming up in here in June. Uh, it's gonna be a good one. Anyways, 
My point is Brennan is an amazing human being because he really has taken this opportunity to reinvent himself at every stage where he realized that he had maxed out on his performance capability, right? We all possess a certain threshold of performance that we are simply not going to go over, right? I realized it in football with me. I am not going to play Division One football. I think other people, you know, you, we hit those points where you just have to say, hey, I've maxed out and be okay to pivot and find a new purpose in your life that you can truly explore a whole new capability within yourself. That is who Brendan is, man. That's why I love this guy so much. And he's a great commentator. I just cannot wait to get him on the show. Gents, what do you think? Should we get him on? Marcus, and I'm telling you, man, even with all the blasts, all the all the Carl Gustav rounds we fired, all the breaching charges, I'm telling you, he played football. He was in the UFC. I'm telling you, his brain, even though his brains have been scrambled more than ours, the dude is outright funny, bro. I went to a show, his show, his stand-up show recently. Like funny, funny how? Like funny how? Yeah, like, like, funny, like, funny. Like, amuse you? Like, like a clown? <laughs> funny to you? Like, funny? Funny like a clown? Funny like a clown? Don't you think I always think about <laughs> that with funny? him? Like, like a clever I, So we go, his his buddy, his, his manager for a long time, and you see Lex McMahon, and that's the guy. Lex, I love you. Thank you so much for making this happen, brother. God bless you. Lex, we go to the show, and, and I tell you, I was blown away way by his stand-up routine because it's not the like he didn't drill down on guys in the audience like the guy before him went down and picked the picked apart this one you know hippie dude in the front row just told him but he was self-deprecating in a way that made the humor awesome and then he involved in the crowd it was it was one of the best shows i've ever seen dude and that's why i'm so freaking stoked to have him on brennan you there bud I'm here, man. That's a hell of an intro, man. I'll take that. I need to. Can you open up for me? Anyone can open up for me on the road from now on, <laughs> dude. I, every everybody time says that. Uh, it's like record that part of it, and it's your wake up tone. <laughs> I know, Jesus, him, man. Yeah, intro, everybody. <laughs> dude, I I just what I love is I I love. Man, I just love stories about guys that reinvent themselves, Brennan, and and you're one of those people, and that's why you coming on the show is such an important part for our listeners to pay attention so they too can believe that it's possible that your one identity is not a, a life sentence, so to speak, and that you can mm-hmm. grow and develop and become something great over and over and over again, dude. Yeah, hundred percent. I think, uh, and you, I mean, you three gentlemen know this better than anyone as well. You know, I think people want to paint you into a certain box. Oh, for a long time for me, it was, Oh, he's a, he's a football player or he's a UFC fighter. And then they, they want to paint you in that box. And I never listened to any of that stuff. I, n- I never did. My, my journey was completely different than most people's. I don't know how you guys want to start this, but you know, for me, 
Wait, 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 let me slow you. Like, let me stop you right now because before, because this, this is the meat and potatoes. But before we get in that, we gotta mm-hmm. do a little warm up. We gotta, we gotta do a little stretching it, out man. of your prefrontal cortex. We gotta limber up the gray matter because the, well, at least Marcus and I are kind of knuckleheads. Wizard's pretty smart, but but so we gotta stretch out a little bit and we're gonna throw the mad minute at you. Are you ready for the mad minute? Bring it. All right, Marcus, fire away. Best martial arts movie from the 90s. 90s? From the 90s? God, the 90s sucked. I know. (laughs) I should have said best worst movie. Best sport by far, but that was was early. That was like... That was like late 80s. In the 90s? God, man, you guys are killing me. Uh... Best for best two, I guess. <laughs> oh, maybe ch- <laughs> the, ni- the 90s suck. Maybe I'll get oh, my oh, decades you know messed up. <laughs> I got you. Mortal Kombat. I like yeah, Mortal yeah. Kombat when I did the movie. Ooh, that's, right. that's particularly that's good. Awful. That's yeah. good. Okay. All right, yeah. Wizard. All right, would you rather get a full grill a la Little Wayne or have fully tattooed eyebrows? Oh man! What does that even uh, mean? I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll go with the grill. I'll go with the grill because at least it's a good investment. Gold's a good investment. That's <laughs> a very idea. pragmatic answer right there. Oh god! By the way, Brandon, you think if you tattooed your eyelids, you'd, get, you'd sleep longer? Like a shade? No eyebrows. You know, oh, like eyebrows. the dragon lady that works down at the you know nail parlor. Dude, that's weird shit. <laughs> that's just weird <laughs> shit. All right, Marcus. All right, what's your go-to chick flick? <laughs> Oh, dude! You got once this podcast is done, you guys are gonna hate me. I'm, I love chick flicks. I watch Teen Mom to get away from my crazy hectic life. I know all the characters, dude. I mean, I lo- I'll, he's not, he's just not that into you. Um, I, there's a ton of movies, man. Don't really name any chick flick. I'm into it. <laughs> I love it. Now, do you guys want me to get off the line now, or do you want to keep going? No, 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 no. That was perfect. That was perfect. All right, all right. Here you go. If you could go back in history, right, and sit down with anybody throughout whenever, I mean, as far back as you want to go, <sighs> just to sit down and, and have a conversation with about whatever, who would that person be? Man, so this is a this is a loaded question because a lot of people are like, "Oh, you went sit down with Gandhi, or you went sit down with Einstein." And no, I'm not. I'm not that type of dude. For me, and what I'm obsessed with, and, and what I'm passionate about is comedy. So what I would do is I would sit down with Jerry Seinfeld when he first moved to L.A. I was trying to figure things out, mm. and he had this cockiness and this swagger that most comics don't have. And I would sit down and talk to him and figure out his moves and what motivates him and stuff like that before he makes it big. Cause when people make it big, they change a little bit and their answers might change, but I do that. Cause I like the way he grinds as a comic. Dude, that's hmm. awesome. That's an awesome, awesome answer. answer right there, yeah. man. That's a real answer. All right, Marcus, fire away. Your favorite dive bar. Favorite dive bar would be the sink in Boulder, Colorado, where I went to uh, college, University of Colorado. Ooh, the sink. All right. Cool. Wizard, give us a painful lesson you learned recently. I mean, something that you definitely learned the hard way. Um, God, recently? Where you look back and went, um, <laughs> Man, I, I get that all the time in comedy. I mean, you mean freaking on Friday night when I was at the Laugh Factory? And you, and you think you're, you know, and people are like, dude, you're doing really well. I'm like, thanks, man. I'm selling out on the road and I go to the Laugh Factory and it's, 
you know, it's half full and there's, I follow Theo Vaughn and, um, Santino and just these monsters. And you realize I have so much work to do. And <laughs> my, my thing is I get in my, I get in my head. I'm like, cause all the comments I do, we're going to stay and watch you. I'm like, you're oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that's like, great. <laughs> and then I, get, oh, I'm like, I get done. I get done in my head. I'm thinking, Oh, they, they're going to think he sucks. I shouldn't be doing this. I don't belong. And I get up there and they were awesome, but you can get humbled in comedy, man. It's very similar to fighting. Mm, or you that, think you're good at wrestling, mm. and then you get a boxer who punches you in the face, you get humbled every day. That's awesome. I love. It. All right, Marcus, last question, fire away. All right, favorite superhero, brother? Favorite superhero ever? Um, when I was a kid, I mean, you got to be pretty into comics. I was a big Lobo fan. Uh, I love Venom. So that hopefully that Tom Hardy movie uh, stands up to... I'll probably say Venom. I like Venom, Carnage, and Lobo. That's awesome, man. That, those are some Carnage's great names in a while. Yeah, that's, those are some great answers. All right, that is the Mad Minute. Thank you so much. We appreciate your honesty and answers. But let's, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this thing. And, Brennan, the reason why we wanted to have you on is, is because of all those things we talked about and because of what you've already alluded to in the pressures of being a stand-up comic, the challenges of being a fighter, the challenges of playing football at the collegiate level. Man, our listeners are here to hear you explain, to get into the real challenges that you faced throughout your life. So if you would, brother, could you please share your greatest never-quit story or stories with our listeners? Yeah, it'd probably be stories. And before I tell any story, let me just say this. Like, what my stories compared to what you guys do, I, and it always drives me nuts in the UFC when people go, it's war, I'm going to die in there. No, you're not. No, you're not. Relax. So <laughs> when it, before I say this, your guys' stories are the real ones. Mine's just, you know, it's about whatever. So I'll start with that. Thank but as you, far brother. as, like, mm. never never quit story, there, there's so many for me, man. I mean, I you know, I've had a, a bunch of different kind of career paths. And, you know, as a kid, I, uh, I was obsessed with comedy as far as uh, Jim Carrey and Saturday Night Live. And I'd always watch Saturday Night Live. And it was my dream to be on Saturday Night Live and be a comic. But as a kid, was that, was your, that was your dream? Yeah. yeah wow. I was obsessed with Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that was my dream. And Saturday Night Live was so good when we were kids. It was good. Oh, dude, it was so good. It's still, see, people hate mm. on it now, but still pretty damn good. There's some monsters on there. But back in the day, it was even bigger, you know? And yep. I wanted to be on that, but I was in Denver, Colorado. And the I, I don't want to say it's a curse, but definitely it was different. Growing up in Denver, Colorado, and being bigger and faster than the rest of the kids in the neighborhood, my dad was like, for sure grab a football. Fuck your jokes. Go grab a football <laughs> and run over those kids. So <clears throat> that's kind of... I was like, all right, yeah, comedy, how, how would I even get started in that? How would I even, is it, uh, there's no path, but I was much bigger and faster and stronger than all the kids. And I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood. So to be cool or the cool kid in, in the neighborhood, you, you have to be good at sports. Right. So I took that to another level. In elementary school, I'd wear my pleats. So, because <laughs> I knew at recess to get all the girls to, to show out, you know, I needed traction. So I'd walk through the school and they'd make fun of me wearing my cleats. But once recess came, I shit on all those kids. So it kind of paid off. <laughs> you wore your cleats to school. I love that, man. Yeah. And the teacher's like, come on, man, and tell my parents not to wear them, but they couldn't do anything. But I was just ready for recess. Um, but as, as far as never quit, you know, 
football was my dream and I, I put everything into it and the NFL was the hopes and uh, I've had a bunch of moments. I, I don't know. I guess in, in high school, I was getting recruited as a junior to play Division One football. And that's kind of the start of it, right, to get to the NFL. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the first, the first play of my senior year, I, uh, we played down in Florida. And I got hit in the, in, the, in the ribs. And my ribs cracked and ran into my liver and oh, wow. uh, lacerated my liver. So I missed my entire mm-hmm. senior season. So I didn't get any... All the offers went off the table. I didn't get any more recruiting, nothing like that. And so that was kind of a big hit. And so my dream didn't end there because I'm like, all right, well, there's a million stories of guys not getting recruited, walking on and making the team. But I didn't have any Division One offers, nothing. So I went to a smaller school, Whittier in California, yep. and uh, played, a, played one year there, did really well, got freshman of the year, and then transferred from there to a Division One program where I walked on. And, um, I, I mean, there you just, you just realize what kind of talent it takes to compete at that level. And I thought I had the talent and it just, it never clicked for me. I played a lot, but it, it never clicked as far as the NFL scouts approaching me and stuff like that. But I kept going at it. I thought, you know, if you build a wall, I can run through it. It really doesn't work that way. But my whole life I've, I've learned that if you work hard enough, you eventually make it. It doesn't really work that way no. man, when it comes to professional mm. sports and entertainment. It just doesn't. So it really bothered me that I realized I couldn't make it on my own. No matter how hard I tried, the, the NFL wasn't going to come calling. When I'll did never you win on draft when, day? When was it really clear for you? At what point was it your senior year? What did you go to a, the Columbine? Did, what did did you the Combine? I mean, did you did you when did you know? Man, I don't know if I can make it in the NFL? So I, it was never that I can't make it. I was thought I had the talent to make it, and that's what drove me. And I had a lot of friends who were in the NFL, and I, I realized how I stacked up against them. So, you know, the draft just happened, right? Yeah. In 2006, I thought there was a chance I might get drafted, at least get a call to be a free agent. Mm-hmm. And I've never been more broken hearted. Even now, it's tough for me to watch the draft because I get negative feelings from it. Yeah. I remember watching the draft, and my friend got drafted, and I didn't. And dude, that night I went home and I was probably the lowest I've ever been, man. I didn't know what to do. And so I, I figured, oh, we'll, we'll figure it out, man. We'll figure it out. And I get a call from Buffalo like two weeks later and they bring me up for tryouts. And I told my dad, I said, dad, this, I'm, I'm a free agent. It's going to be a long shot that I make it. And I go up there and I've never trained so hard you know, to prepare for just a tryout. Mm-hmm. And I go up there with training camp with the Buffalo Bills and you know, when you're a kid and you think the NFL's the the chocolate factory and Charlie and the chocolate factory need <laughs> yep. your golden ticket, mm. and you get there, it's almost like finding out how hot dogs are made. I, my heart was broken. <laughs> I got there and, dude, they didn't know my name, uh, the jersey. It wasn't the number I wanted. I got like one rep. The ball hit me off the fucking face. It was just, it was such a, a it was such a business oh. and so. So savage, it broke my heart, man. I remember getting on the plane, leaving from uh, Buffalo, and being like, "This is not good, man. This this can't be it. There's there's no way this is this is how it ends for me, you know." So uh, I just I just I didn't like dwell on that. I just moved on. I thought I've always been into fighting. I've always watched, you know, the UFC. And I thought I'm way more athletic than most of those heavyweights, so I could get good pretty fast. Right. So then I started hmm. training in jujitsu and boxing. 
And then uh, next did, thing I know, I was taking flights. And did then the someone, UFC Brennan, did someone say to you, though, did, I mean, or was it your idea that, like, hey, dude, you're, you know, you're a great athlete. You've got great natural talent. Man, you you ought to, and you're competitive. That That's what I see and what I hear from all the, you know, every interview you're in, all the different things I've watched about you. You're just naturally competitive. So was it that you wanted to keep the competitive spirit going? Or was it that, hey, man, I, I want to just try to be a professional athlete of some kind? I didn't. I I didn't want to be average. I think. I think it's, even to to this day, it's my biggest threat. I don't want to be average. I didn't want to just go. All right, you know what? This didn't work out. Let me go get a nine to five. Let me go. You know, sell insurance. Let me go. Not that anything's wrong with that, but I just didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that. I knew I just had to keep moving. I just knew. What am I going to do? Sit here and realize I didn't make the NFL, and you know, just I have a college degree. I'm still athletic. What am I going to do? So. Uh, fighting, no one's ever been like, hey man, you should try this. I just, I don't know. I've been a fan and I believe in myself more than anyone. So I was like, you know what? I bet you could go far in that. And next thing I know, three years later, from the point of me going, man, I think you make it far in that. Three years later, I'm an ultimate fighter. Wow. So it happened fast. It happened wow. really, really fast. I think I saw somewhere your father was uh, involved to some degree in martial arts, right? Was was he part of uh, an influence in that? No, my, my dad, when I told my dad and, my, and the rest of my family I wanted to fight in, you know, in mixed martial arts in the UFC, they were not a fan of it. My dad's like, you have a college degree. What are you doing? Those guys have been fighting for all hmm. their lives. It makes zero sense. And I did um, a Golden Gloves boxing tournament, the big you know, like national tournament, and it was in Colorado. I told my dad, I said, come mm-hmm. to that. Come to that. If I lose, I'll go get a regular job. If I lose that tournament, I'll go get a regular job. And he came. And I ended up, it was a two-day tournament. I ended up knocking out everyone winning the tournament. And I got back, and my dad goes, shit. My dad wow. goes, shit, maybe he can do this. And then since then, he was pretty supportive. <laughs> After that. Thanks, Pop. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Pop. Appreciate it. I was walking into the, to the Ultimate Fighter compound, was it the same as walking up into but was it Buffalo that you went up to or Denver? For Buffalo. Football? Buffalo. At the Buffalo. Completely different because Buffalo, I literally, you know, they're like, we're all set on slow white guys. I had a cappuccino <laughs> in Buffalo and got back on the plane. That, no, that, no, that was a real dancing. NFL experience. Yeah, they're like, we're set on white guys, sir. Yeah, it's yeah, we're good. You have a go 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 back to Denver. Um in in the ultimate fighter. I had confidence because I was three and zero. I had all knockouts, and I won Golden Gloves. And I and I knew I could do that. I knew if I just worked my ass off in that house, I could make a name for myself, a household name. So I want that so bad, so so bad. So that was different because I, I came in with huge confidence. In the NFL, they took all my confidence. They stripped me of wow. everything that I worked my entire life for. When I got but there, in I was like, in that stuff. house, what what was the environment like? When did you start saying, because there were some amazing fighters with you in that competition. I mean, really top yeah. guys in the heavyweight and, uh, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it, it's crazy. Like I, I'm, I've, I've been work I've worked with a couple heavyweights over the last few years and, and mental coaching one, Stefan Struve. I work with Andre Avlosky now and, you know, I've, I'm, and I'm getting to know Love those guys the power that's behind great heavyweights and how, how devastating it is. So here you are and you're surrounded by really talented mm-hmm. guys. What, what, what was going through your mind and all that? 
Uh, I, I didn't have any other options. You know, I got there. There was no plan B for me. I was like, man, we're going to do this. You can, this is it, man. You just got to do well on the show. So in that house, even though there was good guys in the house and ignorance is bliss, I, won, I, I wasn't as talented as a lot of those guys. But I, I knew if I just did my job, if I did well in that house for six weeks, for six freaking weeks and just focus, I'll, I'll be able to make a name for myself. So while everyone's freaking out, everyone's all stressed out, I just, it was a job to me, man. This was it. Six weeks to prove who I am. So I was super determined. One of my favorite videos of you out there and, and my favorite stories about that is is when, when Kimbo Slice passed and the commentary you gave about him you know, you know, there's a guy that has nothing to lose. Did you learn a lot from him about that whole mentality that there is no plan B in life? Yep, from Kimbo, I learned. You know, I was young on Ultimate Fighter. He had 22 or 23, I forget. But uh, not to judge a book by its cover, because I knew Kimbo from his street fighting videos, and I'm like, who is uh-huh. this guy? And I, good God, was I wrong, man. He was the nicest, most humble man I ever met. He was kind of my you know, he was my right-hand man in that house. I could go talk to him whenever I was stressed or if I needed to, to hear a funny story. He was just, he was the best man. So I, I learned, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. That's cool. And that, that video of him and, and I think it's Michael Jai White on this. I don't know what movie they were on, but they were behind the scenes kind of on the set and he was throwing those straight punches, showing the difference between throwing straight and back as opposed to coming outside with a hook. Have you seen that video? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dang, man. I'm sure you yeah, have. That's a stupid it. question, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably hadn't seen that, have you? Because <laughs> you and Kimbo were buddies. Yeah, no, I, I've seen it. Don't I ask. hear you. I hear you, man. Sorry. tough crowd it is we're tough we're real tough on ourselves on the show man because it's the whole sealed thing dude you know we don't have much margin of error in fact if i fuck up on the air they shoot me with a pellet gun here it's horrible (laughs) i love it man all right so you get into the ufc you start going you make all the way up you're fighting the number three guy in in the ufc Tell us about mm-hmm. that that whole moment because I think you know that it's a very well publicized moment for you. I think you know obviously a lot of people have t- seen the interview with you and Joe and and you know sure. it, can you explain that whole process and that never quit <clears throat> moment for you because in my mind that really was a, a, a massive pivot point for you to jump into out of all the things you've done, which I believe is probably the most difficult, which is you know, moving towards the entertainment world. Correct. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, so go, going into that fight, I had, um, I was coming off a controversial loss to Andre Arlovski. Even Andre thought I won that fight. Who yeah. I love Andre. So mm-hmm. I, I, I beat Mitrione. I get Arlovski, and then they give me Travis Brown. One thing you got to understand is through, through my entire career, I, I think I had the talent to be world champion, but I didn't have the right <clears throat> mindset. Not mm-hmm. that I wasn't the best competitor. It was that I wasn't mean enough. I, I was too concerned about everyone. I, was, I, I just didn't have that nasty streak in me. I just didn't. Mm-hmm. And I realized it uh, after I fought Crow Cop, who was my hero, you know, in, as far as mixed martial arts. And I knocked him out, and I was so concerned about him. And we're in the back. I remember um, we're both sitting mm-hmm. back, and we're both bloodied up, and we're just, it's not good, man. And it was a great fight, fight, knockout of the night. And he, um, 
he looks at me and, his, he, and he's in broken English, you know, he's Croatian. Yep. And uh, I look at him, I go, dude, what are we doing? What are we doing, Crow Cop? And he just goes, this is life. I remember from that point on, like a little thing kind of clicked hmm. in my mind and went, not for me, it's not, man. Nice. There's no way this is it for me. There's no way, man. And from that point on, I already, I kind of, even though I was on a four fight win streak, I already started to step away from the game a little bit. Mentally, wow. I, I, if I look back, on, I, I remember from that point, on, I was like, well, we don't want to end like that. He's a legend. Look at him. Look mm-hmm. at him, man. That's the way his movie ends. There's no way I want that for myself. So when I fought Travis Brown, I was in the back in the locker room. I trained my ass. I, I was trained. I was always prepared. That, that was never an issue. I loved the, the training camps. I always loved getting ready, getting in shape and everything that went into it and the build up to the fight. I just didn't really enjoy fighting. I was, I was just, I guess, good at it, but I didn't enjoy it. And I was in the back warming up, and I just I didn't want to do it, man. I just didn't want to do it anymore. And my coaches, wow. they, they could tell something was going on. They're like, what's wrong? And I've seen mental coaches, and I, I've, I've done that stuff, and I, I know when I'm ready. I know when I'm passionate about something. Mm. And I just looked at my uh, striking coach, Tony Jeffries. I went, man, I just, I, I don't know. I don't feel like doing it. And he's like, oh, you're scared? And I'm always scared. I'm like, normal stuff i'm just over it i'm just over wow. it brother and wow. he just went all right and he just went and he just went all right well we got a job to do I went, yep we do we definitely do and i knew i had to still go out there obviously yeah and i went out there and then um you know it didn't go my way you know you're fighting a monster and travis brown he's super talented and um you know i just I, after then I, I just thought it was over I, you know i just kind of you got to realize though, too, while the, this career is going on, I'm, I've been doing the podcast with Brian Callum, the firing the kids for five years, yep. you know? So that podcast is gaining traction and I'm getting, I'm getting paychecks for, for doing the podcast. And it's so weird the way things work out, whether you believe in, you know, higher being or whatever, but I got my paycheck from the UFC, a bonus in the mail. And then I got my check in the in the mail for my podcast and the check for my podcast was higher than my usc check wow so i was kind of like come on man look at the signs here for god's sakes and so i just started slowly gravitating towards that side and then obviously the conversation with joe rogan that actually delayed my process of getting out because the competitor in me i I was embarrassed that that was that was not supposed to happen that was not supposed to happen when joe did that i was super embarrassed and because we're close friends, I thought, all right, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to cut to 205, and I'm going to fight again and win, and then I'll retire. So it oh. delayed things. But probably three weeks into my cut down to 205, I just thought to, I woke up one morning. I was like, what the fuck are you doing, man? What are you doing? This isn't you. And I just stopped doing it. Stop, so when, he, doing when it. he presented that to you, he wasn't aware that you had already pretty much made the mental decision to start stepping away. My close, Joe and Brian... Even though I wasn't saying out loud, they could tell by my actions and the way that and I didn't know this. They could tell by the way I was talking and the, and the things I was doing that I was kind of one foot in, one foot out. Sure. The amount of work yeah. I was putting into the podcast and the live shows with Finding the Kid, they could tell things were going on. Well, wow. your, friend, your friends know you better than anybody. Correct. Now, they'll say things to motivate you in, in, in any direction. If they're your true friends, like Joe is, well, he, I mean, he's kind of shooting you straight, just like you said, because he can see behind that curtain. And, um, you know, as guys, we get up every morning, and your armor comes up with you. And if somebody challenges you in, in that regard, especially if you put the time in, that's... <laughs> you, don't I mean, wanna, you don't want to put that armor in there. Put that shield down. No, fuck yeah, you. Wait, I'm not putting it down. Because I, I got a line like that, too, from the Admiral. He's like, you, you, know, you just can't keep up anymore. You, you're doing more now than you did while you were in. 
What? Wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, that's that's absolutely true though. It's yeah, the same what? in our line of work. It can you know you lose that that drive intensity focus, and, and it can actually get dangerous. It's yeah, not well, just you're not going to perform sure. well. You can get yourself and seriously hurt. Yeah, that, so. I mean, I kept pushing it too. Went back to Ramadi, right? And it cost me my career. If I'd have waited, I'd probably would have still been in. But since I didn't, I your body just killed, gave yeah, up. I, I, now, Brandon, you in your comedy show, and and I know in other places, you really talk about you know brain injuries. And then I was joking about that earlier, but you know, was that a was that part of the decision, or was it really just you know, hey, I'm not passionate about this. I'm going to go back to this childhood dream to be a comedian. Um, to be to be honest, even though it's in my act, you know, obviously brain trauma is what you sign up for. That you know that's like uh, Michael Phelps getting mad that he gets wet when he swims. Well, obviously, when <laughs> it's, an face, it's not it's not healthy for for you. So I knew that. I just um, you know I, I I just had other options. I you know I'm lucky where. You know, depends who you talk to. I have other talents. So, um, you know, my, my friends, you know, with Brian Callen, Joe Rogan, and Chris D'Elia, and Tom Segura, who are all some of the top comedians in the world, Bert Kreischer, are telling me, uh, you know, I can, I can do this. And secretly, they didn't know that this has been a, you know, a dream line since I was a child. So my thing is, and the best thing that happened to me is, I see all these old fighters, man. Some of these guys are my friends. I'm around these guys all the time. I train with these guys. And there's nothing that is wrong with their lives. They're, they're living great lives. I just don't want that for myself. Yeah. I just knew I, that's, not, that's not for me, man. I don't want to end up like that. I'm not going to be training in a gym. I'm not going to be teaching kids jujitsu. That's just not what I want to do. So I just didn't want my movie to end that way. One of the mm -hmm. great challenges I think that people face in their lives when they do have a competitive spirit or they have been conditioned for the never quit mindset to a certain degree is they, they don't want to quit. They want to perpetuate it and keep it going to say, Oh, I can make it feel better. I can turn the corner somehow mentally. It's going to be reinvigorated in my soul to drive more, to achieve a higher level instead of going, man, I've it's run its course. It's time for me to change. And the fact that that's not exactly quitting, what you do are starting a whole nother trajectory in your life. Can you talk to that a little bit about how you've done that and in particular doing that in the entertainment industry? Yeah, but I, when you say, you know, when you say people stick with it too long, or especially when it comes to fighting, I don't know about other careers or, you know, these other sports, but when it comes to fighting, a lot of these guys they don't have other options. They, they don't believe in themselves or they don't think they have other talents, which they do. They don't, they, you know, they think this is all I'm good at. This is the only way, let's say they're making a hundred and a hundred thousand dollars per fight when, when money, uh, show money. So say they're making $200,000 a fight for them. Like, how else can I make that money? So that's why they stick around in it. But I think there's guys, uh, you know, that, that are showing people like, man, you guys can do a lot of other stuff with the, with the work ethic you have, the mindset you have, you don't have to stay and get punched in the face, man. Figure right. something out. Create your own business, whether it's merch, whatever it is. So, but believe in that you can. Yeah. Well, you have to. You know how much you have to believe yeah, that, in yourself to walk down there and fight another man. That's yeah. the purest form of combat. 
fist to fist. I, I think I think it's I think it's believing in yourself that you can, but also not listen to everyone else who wants to show. Well, you're a fighter, dude. So after this, why don't you go hold mitts for people or teach kids jujitsu? It's like hold on. No way, man. Yeah, There's no, no way. way with this work ethic. I'm sure I can figure things out. But this is what uh, the other problem is the culture of fighting from the managers and the agents because, you know, it's nothing against Reebok and it's nothing against the UFC. It's just the, the, the business platform right now. But while you're fighting, you should have your own merch. You should be selling your own. You should totally. be your own business. Mm. Why, why, why you let the UFC tell your story, sell your Reebok fight kit, why you're not doing that all yourself and then making money off of it is insane. And why you don't have a podcast, your own YouTube channel. Don't wait for them to give you a countdown show. Do your own shit, man. Yes. Cre- it's, mm. it's, cheap to, it's cheap to get those people to follow you around. Do your own stuff. Create your own brand while you can. And then you can capitalize on it afterwards. But the managers aren't doing that. The agents aren't doing that. The fighters are too concentrated on becoming world champions. So it's a vicious cycle, man. It uh, is. Throw it at you if you're not focusing completely on this fight, if you're doing other things. And... I mean, there's a million different ways they can get in your head and try and convince you that you're doing something wrong. Oh, man, it's, sure. it's a, it was a business that really was eye-opening for me, uh, getting into it just to, on the fringe of that I've been in it. But it really is that, that, that sick cycle that just keeps you locked into one singular identity. Um, let's, let's turn a little bit because obviously if, if anybody who's ever been in front of an audience knows – how terrifying that can be, much less having to make an audience laugh. You know, I mean, one of the, one of the, I mean, Marcus and I are both speakers. We do a truckload of events every year, but certainly know that my, the main point of my show does not have to be humor. When you have these influences, I mean, real Titans in the thing coming to you and go, Brandon, you need to do this. Was it difficult for you to start working and start pushing yourself to practice and get good, or was it just a natural progression to jump into it? Yeah, it was very natural because I, I knew I always wanted to do this, and I, I watched so much stand-up and so much comedy. And then also, um, I was super fortunate because Brian Callen, I kind of had my training wheels on because Brian and I would do <clears throat> live versions of our podcast, The Fire and the Kid, and we would... I, I told Brian when we were going to go on the road, I go, dude, I've seen live podcasts. They usually suck. They're super boring. I'd rather just listen to it. He goes, no, no, no. We're going to do performances, man. You're a performer. I was like, really? He's like, yes, just listen to me. So our first show was in Irvine or Ontario. I forget where, but it's like 600 people sold out. And I go, how are we going to do this? What do you want to do? And Brian goes, we're going to start the show. I just want you, you're a good storyteller. I want you to go out there and just do 10 minutes of a story. Just start with 10 minutes, man. I went, oh, I can do that. He goes, yeah, you can do that all day. Go do that. So we started there, and then, you know, 20 shows later, in Chicago at a big theater, our biggest theater we've ever done together. Awesome. I'm getting ready to go out, and I look at Brian, and I go, dude, what do you think of, my, what do you think of this story? And he goes, oh, you mean your, your stand-up? I go, well, no, my story. He goes, oh, Bubba, you're doing stand-up. I just don't want to scare the shit out of you. You're doing stand-up. <laughs> I went, and then it, it hit me a little, little in my mind. I go, oh, shit, he's right. He's right, man. I'm doing stand-up. And then I just looked at it different from there, and he's like, you can do this, man. So I had these training wheels on him. So my open mics were in front of tons of ton of people, you know? Yeah. I got comfortable up there with Brian kind of, you know, edging me on and helping me out. And then we did a live fighter and the kid at the comedy store, the world-famous comedy store here in wow. L.A. Mm-hmm. And probably four weeks after that, I get a text from uh, 
someone who's running the, the shows at the comedy store and they go, Hey, uh, you want to do a set, uh, next Wednesday, uh, a, a six or eight minute set. And I go, Oh, like the find the kid, Brian can't do it. He's out of town. And they're like, no, you moron. Do you want to do stand up here <laughs> next Wednesday? And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. I was, I'd love to. And I was, I was so excited, but I was like, I gotta come up with a set now. And so that was kind of how it started for me. Wow. And, and you have literally sold out shows around the world. Is there any, is there a time now where you start feeling, wow, this, this could be my thing. This could be the thing where I become one of the top professionals in the world at this, or is it, do you set a new standard? Does it now, do you then go into comedy movies or comedy this or, or where is the top end for you? Yeah, and I don't want this to come off as cocky, especially talking to you three monsters at all, or your listeners. I wouldn't have got into it if I didn't believe I could be a, one of the best. Awesome. And now, is that realistic? I'm yeah. not sure, man. I don't know. That's for other people to judge. But I, I know if I put the time in, and, and if I do things right, I can definitely get damn close, man. I may not be the next Jerry Seinfeld. I may not be the Chris Rock. I'll definitely be the best Brendan I can be, and it seems to be working okay. But if I, I literally, I would not get go into it if I was just gonna be mediocre or if I was just gonna be average. That's the reason why I left left the UFC. I went, all right, probably not gonna be world champion. You make some money, be kind of famous, win one, lose two, win two, lose one. Is that what you want? Nope. So you're gonna be average there, you know. So, um, you know, I I like to think I can get pretty good at this. Right. right. Hey, cool. I, got a, I have a question for you, but you made a comment earlier on that I'd like to kind of expand on because I'm curious about it. You said you, this, where people will build a wall and then like just break through it, blast through it technique. It doesn't really work in pro sports and entertainment. Can you expand on that a little mm -hmm. bit? So what does work? Yeah, because in, like, when I've walked on at the University of Colorado, I've outworked everyone, and I, I forced my way on the team where they're like, all right, mm -hmm. you know what, this kid's relentless. Let's give him a shot. And then once right. you give me a shot, you give me an inch, I take a mile. That's all I need, man. Just give me a little bit of an inch. And then with the, the NFL, it's just, all right, you want to work all night? You want to outwork all these guys? These guys are much faster, much they can jump much higher and catch. Football's better. So mm -hmm. even though you're working, it's a business. It doesn't work that way. Um, with entertainment, you know, you, you better be putting the work in because you don't know when your shot's going to come. That's not up to you. So you can, you can work nonstop and say, oh, well, I'm going to get a special on Netflix. Yeah, when Netflix is ready, when they're ready, not when, you're, when they're ready. So Great point. it's just, hmm. it, it's very strange, man. It's very, very strange where you got to put in the work, but you got to realize it's, it's not going to go how, on your timeline. Does that make That's sense? timing. Where yes. in other things that, oh, like fight, fighting mm -hmm. wood, fighting wood, all right. I have a training camp for 12 weeks. I'm going to work harder than that guy. There's a good chance I'm going to win if I just work my ass off, fight smart. I'm in better shape than him. I'm going to win. You just got to put your head down and work. Mm -hmm. And entertainment, it's just, it's just different, man. It's just different. Professional sports, except for, well, fighting is a little different, but it's just a different animal. Sure, I mean, it has an end game, end date, excuse me. Correct. It's very, it's very black and white. It's very black and white. Hmm. Brennan, has there been a time recently because i know with the showtime show with selling out all your comedy shows is there is like when you go back to your your house and you're sitting with your family do you kind of look at yourself and, and you go man I'm, I'm doing this i'm really doing this 
not once. The answer is not once. I, I wish it's, it's by my biggest issue. And if you ask me, mm. my family or my friends, the only time I'm really present is when I'm with my son. <clears throat> and even then it's a challenge for me, but not once I've ever been like, man, we're really doing it, Brendan. You, you're doing it, man. Here, here we go. I just, it's a, it's a problem for me. And I, I, I assume if I met with a therapist, they're like, dude, you gotta stop and smell the roses. And it, it's a blessing and a curse. Cause I'm never satisfied. Never, never satisfied. Cause Right, the Showtime show is a success, according to who? Uh, according to, if you compare it to some other shows, probably not, man. You got a lot of work to do. With the Fire and the Kid, yeah, we're doing well, man, but we're not on Rogan's level, you know? And then with stand-up, you know, my, my heavyweight strap in the UFC or my, my kind of draft day is when I get a special on Netflix or Showtime. So until that happens, I got so much work to do, man. I really don't have time to go, oh, you made it. Hmm. Can you help people understand just the work that you're putting in to be a great comedian, to be a great host? Because I'll tell you one of the craziest things that blew me away about you, which really was exemplified the courage you have, was when I started seeing on the red carpet for E, man, that blew me away that you were willing to put yourself out and in that capacity with that other type of people, man. What goes into that evolution of you as a host and a comedian day in and day out? Oh, man, that's a good question. Uh, no one's ever asked me that. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, as far as stand-up goes, so, like, it, every morning I'll, I, have my, I have my hours set, so I'll go over, you know, bits and pieces of it. But it, it's different because if I want to, you know, get faster, there's a certain, like you said, there's certain uh, numerical value where you can calculate and get faster and run faster and do the work with comedy. You know, you got to be inspired by things that can kind of change the story you're telling. So you have, you have to experience stuff. So every morning, if I go, Oh, I'm going to write 10 jokes today. It doesn't really work that way. It right. really doesn't. It, uh, you know, the other night um, I woke up at like three in the morning and added some bit to I had this Hulk Hogan bit and I thought, Oh, this would be funny for whatever reason. It just hit me at three in the morning. Cause I was going over this. I have a bit on Hulk Hogan sex tape and I watched uh, the <laughs> golf, the Docker video online. So it, it reminded me some stuff and it just hit me. So it, it's very different. It's very different, but it all, it's kind of all uh, uh, in the same ecosystem as far as they all feed each other. So after finding the kid, you know, Brian and I, we don't do any, any pre-rehearsal, we do nothing. We just sit down. I haven't seen him in a while. I'm like, what's up, dude? And it's off to the races. And awesome. we will. F I'll find some stuff in there um, that, that I can make comedy bits. I'll go, oh, that, that was a good premises. And then I can, I'll go home, write it down, and find something off there. And then, you know, then that feeds the Showtime show because I'll be super passionate about some subject. And, you know, Showtime will cover some of the same subjects. So I'll have some of the already key moments there. So that feeds that. And then with the E stuff, I don't know if you've ever seen Shark's Tale, but there, there's that great white who paints himself to look like a dolphin. Well, I yeah. look like a great white. I'm a, I'm a fucking dolphin, man. I'm into fashion. <laughs> I'm into teen mom. <laughs> dolphin, man. With E, that's me, man. I love that stuff. That's me Dude, your day. shoes, man, one of my favorite shit you post is your... Uh, how, I, all your different pairs of shoes. I swear to God, you're going to overtake Amel DeMarcos one of these days, brother. It's, it's trouble, man. It's trouble. Yeah, when it comes to fashion, that, that girly stuff, and I, you know, I worry about my weight and diets and stuff. Yeah, you guys are, like I said, you guys are so much tougher than me. I would be uh, that little 
I'm not a Navy SEAL. I'm the furthest thing from a Navy SEAL. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, but hey, all jokes aside, there's a theme running through this whole thing, and that you have a serious amount of courage to yes. And there's Thank a self-confidence you. and there's a courage yeah, in every one of these new and very different. I mean, the skill set between being a fighter and being a comedian, those are two very disparate, you know, topics, right? And but through all of this, you seem to have this it's an unrelenting sense of fuck it, I'll give it a try and see how it goes or you just truly are confident enough in your skills. Where did this come from? Like yeah. can you look back and say this Great is how question. it developed? Yeah, that's a great question. It, it, I think, ah, man, I'm not sure. That's a great question. I'm not sure. I'm, my work ethic comes from my father. He's an absolute monster. You know, he started from nothing, and then, you know, he, he's self-made millionaire now. And, and just, you know, he, he was literally bankrupt when we were kids, and we did not grow up with a ton of money. And to see him just go in every day, day in, day out, and just grind, he kind of set that, you know, platform for me to, to mm-hmm. kind of show how, how to be, you know, kind of get your life together. Um and as far as, you know, jumping into, you know, from these different lanes, you know, my comedy tour is called uh, Stay in Your Lane, just kind of making fun of all these different careers I've had. But <laughs> when it, I, I had this conversation the other day uh, with my buddy, Tony Jeffries, who, who owns a, a gym out here, and he's going into a meeting. He's telling me how smart these guys are. And Tony has his master's degree, not literally, but he has his master's degree in boxing. He was an Olympic uh, bronze medalist. He was on the mm-hmm. national team, multi-time wow. world champion. Tony specialized in boxing and became very, very good in that language. So when Tony was going to this meeting, he mm-hmm. goes, dude, they, they have these business degrees. They have this. I went, let me ask you something, Tony. When you were seven, if you would have focused on what they focused on, did you think you could accomplish what they did? He goes, yeah. I go, Do you think they could accomplish what you did in boxing? He goes, I don't know. I went, they just decided to go down that road. So I'm never discouraged when I walk into a room or I walk into a comedy store or something like that. And there's people are more experienced than me. They, they decided to start it earlier. I know if I started earlier, I'd, I'd probably be pretty damn good too. So that, I've always had that mentality. They just learned that language before me. I'll learn it. Just give me time. I love that. On uh, each one of those career paths yeah. you develop, you're a, uh, I say a new person, right? A new, you, don't have totally. an emo, you don't have emotions, right? You're dealing with a completely different person. Mindset, and, approach. Right. Yeah. You can laugh at yourself. You can defend yourself. And you said, you know, and the confidence you have when you wear all that, when you're in the fashion and style, most guys are worried about what other guys are going to say about it. But if you got that, if you know you can handle yourself and words don't hurt, it's a bit, your sky's the limit. A, yeah, there's a level of peace and kind of calm that comes with that. Oh, I get roasted online, man. My Instagram is savage when I post things that I'm wearing. But yeah, I'm getting used to it. I'm getting used to it. I'm All getting right. used to it. <laughs> All right. Before we wrap this up, it, I, I just, I, there's, you know, obviously our our listeners are, you know, they come here because, man, they know they can they can get a fat dose of the never quit mindset. They can hear things that will inspire them as they're bombing in whatever, you know, presentation they're in as, you know, when they're getting crushed, when they're getting knocked out in life, you know, they come here. What are some things, some key things, Brennan, that you could share that you hold true every day in your life that you could share with our listeners that they could, you know, take away from this show and implement so they can continue getting back in the fight. Um, I, I think whether it's, you know, whether they have to give a presentation or their job sucks, they want to change lanes or something like that. 
for me, it's always about being prepared. So by the time, so that set I told you I did my first set ever at the comedy store, you know, I had whatever, eight days to prepare that. I probably went over that set 500 times. I knew, all right, when I get up there, it's my first time doing it in front of a live crowd. The only way this doesn't go how it should go is if I mess it up, if I don't put in the time. So I'm, I'm never scared to attempt anything if you give me the right time to prepare. I mean, there's going to be some curveballs, you know, and that comes, you know, with the territory. But, you know, as far as guest speaking or, you know, changing lanes, something like that, you know, it just goes back to putting in the work. And that's where you get the confidence from. I, I know if I, if I work hard enough, man, I'm putting my best foot forward. And that happens to be pretty damn good, I think. But that where, where I get where I think people lack confidence or, or lack desire or motivation to do things when they know they're being lazy and not putting the work in, then that, that sinks in. That's when you see fighters, you know, and you work with fighters, you know, the, with their mental game, yeah. they're not putting the work in their, their fears. Yeah, man, you should be fucking scared. That guy's training his ass off huh. and he's pretty damn good at it. And you didn't put in the right work. So what do you think? How can you expect to win? So I took that and carried it over to everything. That's awesome. Hard work ethic, man. It goes, it, it saves the day every time, doesn't it, Marcus? Yeah, man, start with yourself. Get that confidence in yourself. We talk about that. The fear that comes along with most everything in life is just the, you hadn't been trained in it. It's the unknown, but it's also your body telling correct. you, you should probably look in no, that no, direction. But, correct. But the other thing is, it's who, if you, if you fail or you mess up, or let's say I bombed that, I've bombed many of times now, but let's say I bombed that first night, who gives a shit? You, what do you think? <laughs> it's your own insecurities. You think you're yes. waking up and CNN's going to roll on the screen? Brendan Shaw bombed his first set ever at you know, the comedy <laughs> store. It, and in the grand scheme of things, no one cares. You care, but no one really cares. You just got to keep going, man. It's not uh, that uh, everybody goes through it. I doubt there's very a rare occasion where somebody just starts out and becomes a champion. Like the first time they no, try it, it doesn't happen. No. Everybody has their failures just Fuck not no. on TV or hadn't been recorded. And it's... That's what makes us unique. That's what makes us human, right? And it's that ability to, it's not a setback or a wall. It's, it's the test that's, that's thrown itself in front of you and at that particular time. And if you get hit and go backwards, well, then you know you need to train a little bit harder. And then you go back at it. And you, when you bust through that one, you keep going, you're going to hit another wall. It's life, right? It's that cycle. You get, the only way you're not, if you're having a good life is if you have some bad times to wait off of. We talk about that, man. And Correct. it's just, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, that's, the meaning, right? The meaning in life is that it has meaning that you get your ass up every day and try something new. It adds flavor and it teaches you things about yourself that you didn't know. And when you drop yourself in, in those different environments with those type of individuals, good Lord, man, there's no telling what you're capable of. Amen. But you know what, you know what the other thing is too, is if you, if you try something new, you're going to find out if it's for you or not. And if it's not, it's all good, man. It's all good. Yeah, who cares? Try something and it's not, <laughs> it doesn't, who cares? on to the next thing man all right cool man Hmm. i love it well brennan thank you so much for putting that out to our listeners i know there's a tremendous lesson in that and and, but before you go can you please tell our listeners where they can follow you what you got coming up next and and just where they can pay attention yeah just uh, instagram uh twitter is just at brendan shop and then uh, comedy-wise, I'm on tour right now. So June, I'm in Houston. I'm all over. So just at uh, Brendan Schaub. Dude, uh, when are you in Houston, Houston? You, in June? 
<clears throat> I'll have to look. I think I think it's late, uh, mid late June. Are you guys out there? Yeah, yeah that's when we're coming out for the next recording session. So we'll come down and see the show, oh, bro. Yeah. And uh, maybe you come out to the ranch and hang out a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, man. Put you behind a rifle. <laughs> some hunting. Oh, okay, okay. If you guys want to just see me just absolutely be terrified, put me behind a gun. Let me know. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. We had we had Aubrey come out when he was on the show. He actually drove over from from Austin and came out. We went out and we were shooting all kinds of stuff out by, by the. Uh, and of course, Aubrey comes out and he's got the you know a blue forty five and a red forty. He looks all slick and cool. <laughs> yeah, the man's got style. So awesome. Awesome, man. All right. <laughs> so that's a given, man. If we're if you're out around the same time, we're gonna get you out here, brother. All right. Love it, man. I'd I'd love to do that. Awesome. Ooh. Well, thank you so much, Brennan. Yeah, man. We wish you all the best. We pray for your success. We'll be rooting for you in everything you do, and and just keep making people laugh, brother. God bless you. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me on, man. You got yeah, it. Good talk. Take care, fellas. I love it. Ooh. I love it. Hey, and one thing, Brennan, we call the wizard because uh, he still <coughs> so we don't use his real name. Gotcha. Wizard it is. Wizard it is. <laughs> Thank you. If I make any mistakes, am I, if I make any mistakes, I might give out your address and your full name so you can edit oh, that. Be deal. ready for that, bud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got this. ISIS isn't in America. You guys got this. No. <laughs> we, no. we don't have to worry Not about it. Well, well, you know... Like you're, did you, did you ever get to know Tim Kennedy? Were you guys friends at all? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I love Tim. Yeah. Love, love Tim. One of my favorite people on earth. So, you know, Tim has a full blown like hit on him by ISIS. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. That guy freaks me out, man. You guys are so much tougher mm-hmm. than me. Tim <laughs> tells me like some of his stories. I, I don't, if you want, I don't know if we're recording, but I'll tell you last, last time I did a podcast with Tim, he told me about this story, and I loved him, man. I absolutely loved that dude. And we got done, and you guys are going to make fun of me. I don't know what was going on, but we were headed to a party, and I could not stop crying, man. I don't know what the hell happened. I was thinking of Tim going on this mission and getting hurt and his kid and his wife. And, dude, I'm in the car with Brian Cowan, my partner, the yeah. comedian, and I literally could not stop crying. And we get to this party at R.P. Marcus's house. And I go, dude, I'm just going to stay in the car and gather my thoughts. Don't tell anyone I'm in the car crying. He goes, dude. He goes, dude. <laughs> he goes, dude, never. I got you, man. Take as much time as you need. I'll see you in there. Yeah. So I go in there. And you know when you're crying, like your nose is all yeah. red and you're in, like, your eyes are all red? Yeah. I go in. Brian goes, there's the cry, baby. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Everyone's just like, Jesus Christ, man. And then he told the- everyone. And then Aubrey comes up and gives you a big hug and is like, dude, it's totally cool. Yeah, he's like, it's all, like rubbing my back. And then, I, and then, I, and then he's rubbing my back and I felt super awkward. I'm like, man, I don't know what's going to go on tonight. And then they're having like a pool party and there's like a big sand pit and Callan kept making fun of me. And finally I was like, fuck this. I went, hey, we're in just we're in, we're in just board shorts, me and Cal, and there's like everyone's having fun, and I get all serious with Brian because he kept talking shit to me. I go, if you take me down right now, I have five thousand dollars in my bag. I will give you cash if you can take me down, just a single takedown, five thousand cash. And he's dead serious, and everyone's like gathered around. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. All, it sucks. all 
it sucks all the life out of the party. Like, fucks up the whole party. Talent <laughs> shoots in on me. I sprawl on him so hard, I fuck up his eye, his face. Everyone realizes he's every bit of 50. I used to fight in the UFC and be ranked in the top 10. I look like such an ass. And it's the worst. You know what? Now that I'm saying out loud, that was the worst day of my life. That was the worst day of my life. Yeah. That was terrible. Dude, I love the fact that my favorite thing that he did with you the, recently was when he talked about your mom, <laughs> dating your mom. Oh, yeah. oh my God, dude. dude. He he deserves to get sprawled on on a regular basis. He was just in Denver, and I texted my mom, well, did you go to Brian Callen's show? She's like, I sure did. I'm like, did you take your ass home after that? She's like, we sure did. And then Brian sent me a video of him and my mom hanging out. I don't know what's going on, man. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I don't know, man. Oh, All right. Real quick lowdown. Uh, I, I, I'm sure we're going to wrap that in somewhere, somehow, but uh, I'm going to come out. Marcus, seriously, when you hear that dude talk about reinventing himself, not once, not twice, but three times, man. It, that's impressive stuff. Oh, he's a prime example of somebody who believes in himself. Right? That's the key. His self-confidence is through the roof. He really, truly believes that he can do anything he sets his mind to. Sure. Obviously. Now, and does it. Right. And does it well. I mean, being a pro football player is almost impossible, the percentages. And then shifting over and being a fighter, a prize fighter in the UFC when he did, again. And c- comedy, they say it's, it's the, one of the hardest things to do, isn't it? By far, the hardest thing in entertainment is stand-up comedy. They've said that since the beginning. Live mm. audience. Because what your, your set does in California is not what's going to resonate in Wichita, Kansas, right? Right. Yeah, you got to carry the whole show. You right. Know, there's no. There's no one else supporting you. Now, if you're just off. I suppose it could be just a complete disaster. <laughs> yeah, if you can laugh at yourself and your your mistakes and mishaps, man. That that's that's comedy gold. Let me ask you: in your in in your speeches, do you are you self deprecating a little bit? I heard it's kind of disgusting how self-deprecating I am. I, I laugh at myself better, more than anything. Right. I get up. I mean, I tell people now that I was small. When I graduated high school, I was five, six, 154 pounds. I'm scared of heights. I like cold water. I'm you like sharks. Year, I'm like high school year. Right? That's like, what's going to happen. I'm going to be eaten by a shark. That's my biggest fear. High school. It's print right there. SDV, you made it. I, 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 I'm, I'm more of a frog man than I am a seal. Yeah. And I mean, uh, and I'm proud of that. I love being a frog man. And, uh, I just had to laugh at myself because all the guys around us, man, I, they're just so much better than me. I, I, like I said, I didn't have any special skills. What what I am is what I was taught. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's what you guys came up with, and I just learned it. I'm just like, kind of like Brandon, man. I just have to do it over and over and over again, man. But when you have the guys around us like we do, man, those guys are picking up so quick. And because of our mentality and the way we push each other, you, you, you learn by doing. I mean, I, I tell people now the – What's the biggest thing about why we're so proficient with our weapon systems? Safety. I mean, they don't even let us fire around until we've been in that house dry firing that thing nine million times. (laughs) Totally. The Mm. the difference in our community and everybody else is how they train us. First, they beat us down. They take everything away from us, exhaust us, and then they start training us. That way, it's muscle memory. 
You just go ahead and get, get that. It, the it, work. it eliminates time, right? It eliminates the time you have to put into something because yeah. you've exhausted yourself and started from there. So, and once that's ingrained inside of you, then you, you know what you're capable of. Your body knows it. Your mind knows it. You don't have to tell yourself. That's why we never tell ourselves what we right. are. It has to be there. Yep. And the magnitude that Brennan does, man, from a hard that is to be a football player and then a fighter, man. And then a comedian. No, yeah. I, it, what resonated most with me and hopefully with our listeners is, you know, he, he had reached these performance thresholds, right? Uh, you know, as an athlete, same thing for me. I got to Penn State. I play lacrosse. I realized I wasn't going to be able to walk on a team because the starting quarterback was the number one recruited quarterback in the country. I could never outplay him. I also realized I could never outplay the guys that have been playing lacrosse since they were five years old. So I hit that threshold. I joined the teams. I realized that, you know what? I hit a threshold in the teams. I was never going to be the greatest of the team guys out there. So I hit that. And now, you know, I'm in this trajectory as a speaker, as there's always going to be a better speaker. There's always a better podcast. But it's, it's the self-confidence in myself to keep at it and keep improving. I, that really resonated. And I'm hoping it resonated with our listeners, right? To, to keep going. If, if you're involved in something, it's not working, don't be afraid to stop and go and try something new, a new passion, a new purpose. Right. But remember, don't switch too fast. Don't do so many that you don't even have time to really settle really in settle and in, discover. Right. Yeah, it takes time. You got to put in the right. time. And, and regardless, it's going to come at you two ways when you first start out something. It's either going to be, you're going to get good and it's going to be fun and proficient. It's not going to be hiccups. And then you'll hit, hit those or they're going to hit you in the, in the beginning. Yeah. If they hit you in the beginning, just know what's on the other side. The, the, the good part of it. Either way it happens, you're going to have to hit both of them. Amen. That's part of it. You should expect that and be happy when it shows up because you know you're making progress. Even if, if you're getting hit, it is progress. You have to hit that point. A lot of people think the jumping truth, in, the yeah, truth, right? Right. A lot of people think jumping into something that it's going to be just like you see it on TV. And we'll, the what we see on TV and those and those man, they the put end. the way yeah, that's the end game, right? I mean, <laughs> how much damn work they had to put in to get there? The blood, the sweat, the uh, tears, uh, the pain that we always hear about is there. Uh, well, man, I tell you what, Wizard, I, I loved having him on. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I love the Fighter and the Kid podcast. I love his show. I love his comedy routine. I just, I think he represents such a, a wonderful example that if you do have that self-confidence in yourself and you are willing to take risks and try new things, you can discover a whole new, uh, a whole new a way of living. I mean, we were, we were already talking about this, but when he distilled it down into um, just kind of this awareness that when you step into, the, into a new world or pursuit and they've been there for a while, you can't look at them by comparison and say, well, they're a superior human being to me. They have more time in that game. Time in. And that's, you know, that's what he said. He was like, he recognized that. He also recognized his potential. And he said, I just need to put in the work and I can get there. So I like when he distilled it down into that. Me too. Me mm-hmm. too. Well, listen, if, if, again, if this is your first time listening to the Team Never Quit podcast, we appreciate you being here. We really do for round one. We ask you to put a little time in with us to stay on board so you can start hearing the incredible amount of 
wonderful never quit stories that our guests are bringing. So that way, as you start down your pathway to perfection, your pathway to becoming the best version of yourself and whatever your purpose is in life, that you too can develop that great self-confidence, that never quit mindset and to find something that you really, really are good at. If you're back again, man, who ya? Right, Marcus? Thanks. Can you believe how many people are listening and coming back for more? That's awesome. It it blows every time. I'm just telling you, it blows the three of us away that we have such dedicated fans out there, such dedicated teammates. And man, it means the world to us. I would just have great guests. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you're probably right God, shut up let me hear this guy talk <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right you're probably right but we we really we really appreciate you coming back if you want to know more about us or or you want to buy some awesome awesome TNQ podcast swag. Mm-hmm. We have got t-shirts on the website. We've got merch for you on the website. Just go visit us at tnqpodcast.com. That's tnqpodcast.com. Go get yourself some merch. Go get yourself a t-shirt. Wear it every day of the week. Wear it all around. Spread the word for us because we really appreciate when when our guests have such faith in us that they go out they find somebody they care about in their lives and they bring the show to them. For sure. To, t- to help their friends, the people they love most, discover some of that never quit mindset. They bring the show and then that way, man, it, it's helping people around the world. All right. Also, oh, man, I, I almost forgot again. Brother, listen. We have the wizard on Instagram now. <laughs> so you got to follow the Instagram. Maybe one of these days the the challenge will be, will you be able to figure out his identity, who he is, where he is, the wizard TQ, and it'll pop right up. All right. Where can you find the show? You can find it on the website at tnqpodcast.com. You can download it right there. Obviously, on iTunes Podcast, go to the little search, type in Team Never or just Team. We pop right up. We're the first one there. Subscribe and listen to us around the clock if you want. And you can also find us on every other podcasting app for Android and all over all of the other ones. All right. Listener story. Here we go. This is from Trevor. Now, I've always struggled in sharing my story, not because of embarrassment or fear, mostly out of humility. I've never seen my accomplishments as being very impressive, just merely a part of living and enjoying life. Over time, however, people seem to be impressed by what I've done. I've also met some people that have the mindset, if you're sick or not healthy, you need to just accept the conditions as such. So I'm trying to share my story more to encourage others by showing them what is possible and prove the only limits we have are what we put on ourselves. In October 1997, I passed out at school. This event led to a lot of tests and possible issues. Finally, the doctors decided I needed a heart transplant. Without it, I was given just two years to live. 
At nine years old in June of 1998, I received that life-saving transplant. While this event changed my life, I never let it stop me or limit what I thought I could do. I believe this mindset was encouraged by my doctors, having stated that the only thing I shouldn't do is dig ditches. But having worked some manual labor jobs, I believe even that statement was incorrect. Post-transplant, my family never limited me from doing things I wanted. This gave me the ability to never consider myself sick or unable to do something. A couple of weeks after having the transplant, I was riding roller coasters and other amusement rides. Growing up, I played hockey and was on the swim team in high school. As an adult, I ride motorcycles both on the street and on a racetrack, hike mountains, and even ride mountain bikes. In 2010, I became a volunteer firefighter. This was my first step in becoming one of the very few, about five, heart transplant patients to have become career fighter fighters. I accomplished my goal of becoming a career firefighter in January 2015. This was not an easy path, as I had two fire departments tell me that I could not do this job, but this pushed me to prove them wrong. After the first fire department told me it was impossible, this motivated me to work towards a goal I randomly set for myself when I was a teenager. This was to finish an Ironman triathlon. And in November 2013, I finished Ironman Arizona, becoming the third ever, the second American pediatric heart transplant to finish an Ironman. As my 20-year transplant anniversary approaches, my goal right now is to hike the 58 peaks in Colorado over 14,000 feet. I have currently hiked 10. While some of my goals have by chance been to prove people wrong, this was never my intention. I merely just wanted to be healthy, happy, live my life, and accomplish the goals I set out for myself. While I don't know what the future holds for me, I know that if I keep moving forward, I will continue to surprise myself by not sending limits on what is possible. Wow. Whole new heart, brother. Yeah, that's awesome. That resonates here in this family, too, because of Haley. Yeah. She didn't have to have the transplant, but she has the defibrillators and I guess there's three or four heart conditions. They don't even know how it hits kids, but when it wow. does, man, it takes them down. I mean, she went in for a stomach ache and it was an hour and a half later, had her chest cracked open and in a coma for months on end. So Unbelievable. Yeah, we'll definitely read that story to her. And she's doing great, man. She's in school, college, and she's just having a blast. And, and it's that's the craziest thing about it, man. The stuff that we're born with, we have a problem with it. We have somebody else that's put inside of us, man. You just go, go, go. Right. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, yeah. give it a second it's the second like, chance at yeah, life right? with someone else's heart, man. Right. I mean, think about, I mean, think, I always go back when I hear about transplant stories, I go back to Justin Legg, man, our brother, huh. right? Sure. Well, it's mm-hmm. again, too, man, and it's, I'm not going to let you down because you gave me this chance. I'm going to show you how much I appreciate it. I mean, I, that's a way of living that you'll never stop, right? You keep going. I live it every day, man. I'm not, 19 promises. Get up every single day, man. 19 promises just to make sure. You, you live it out to the fullest. That's what they'd want you to do. So that's that's amazing, brother. Good job. Way to push yourself. I'm, I'm definitely going to pass that story on to the family. Amen. Well, I just want to finish this show by thanking Brandon. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on. We really, you're a true inspiration to athletes and, and fighters around there. 
uh, you're just a great a great example of what's possible. I want to thank Trevor uh, for writing in, man. God bless you. Uh, I wish you all the best in your future and living life to the fullest. Uh, I want to thank the listeners, man. Man, the listeners are incredible. Without you guys, we would not be able to continue doing what we're doing because you're proving to us that what, what the information, the positivity that we're bringing to the world is making an impact. And thank you. I also want to thank Christ and thank God for the influence on me to be a good father, uh, a, a good friend, a good, a good, a good son, a good everything. Uh, it's just, you're my life. Thank my girls. Uh, thank the sunshine. I want to thank uh, you two. Thank you so much, gents, for being here with me in this and living out this dream and this new career that makes me every day feel like I'm, I'm making a real impact in this life. So thank you, boys. Right back at you, bud. Every person we have on here teaches me something about myself I didn't know. Cool. That, that's the greatest part about this, man, <laughs> is when you start afterwards, when you think about it and kind of put yourself in their in their reality to see how you would exist and uh always taking something and with him he, our lives are pretty similar except i was never good enough to be a football player <laughs> <laughs> so Brent, thanks for letting me know what that would be like if i was relevant enough to get in there and uh for coming on and teaching us a little something about ourselves that we didn't already know and for everybody who keeps coming back and giving us the opportunity to do that man i uh, I don't have the vocabulary to express my gratitude and just the life you guys have granted me with. It's jaw-dropping every day, 10 times a day. So thank you for that. I'm out. Out. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.